Welcome to Casting Without a Lore, a show with no appeal you'll just have to endure. I'm your host, Sean. This is my guest. Hello, I'm Brendan. Back again from the and, dead. And today we are going to talk about, from the dead. You, one episode. <laughs> t- two, two episodes. Technically two in a month. So, <laughs> shit. Sorry. No, also you're good. good. No, we, uh, today we're just going to talk about Scooby-Doo because it's, Brendan saw that Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated was on Netflix and... I fucking loved that show in high school. Mm-hmm. It was so, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Dude, can we just talk for a moment? If you have not seen Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated is a show that came out in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started, it was uh, the first Scooby-Doo that had come out in a while, I think since... Like, I think the pre- the previous one... Was I think it was a kid one, right? It was a kid. It was a like pub named Scooby Doo. Is that what you're talking I about? I think maybe, maybe that's older than you might think. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't remember. Scooby-Doo we we can it, look though. this up. Yeah, we have we have Google. I, I I mean our unknown helpers from Google. <laughs> Mystery we're, we're really well connected. See, because here's the thing. Well, I, I think it was the first thing that was released after the film yeah, adaptation. I yes, I if I remember right, it was. The cartoons that were in the 90s and 80s, and then it was the direct-to-DVD uh, movies in like the late 90s, early 2000s. So, no. The thing is, is actually... Oh, fuck, I remember this. Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated is actually immediately preceded by Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue, which was a show that aired uh, back on the... Uh, that existed? It was the era immediately post Kids WB. You, you want to know the funny thing? Or like about the that? very end of Kids WB. And this existed, and you know the hilarious part? It was Shaggy and Scooby, a robot butler, if I remember correctly. And and they didn't even really solve mysteries, they just kind of hung out. See, here's the thing I'm not remembering about that. I was watching a video ranking and listing the best Scooby Doo movies. Mm-hmm. And for their. This was a show, not a movie. I know. But when mm-hmm. they. Um, when they um, talked about the worst when he like he listed his bottom three mm-hmm. and like explained why he put in the bottom three. Um, he used a clip, Shaggy Scooby Doo, get a clue. It's like, oh, that's why he used that. It's probably trash. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes, Shaggy uh, and Scooby Doo get a clue is trash. Yeah, but thankfully, you know, they took their time after that and released something good. Um, it is actually the show that was immediately in between What's New Scooby-Doo and The Mystery Incorporated. And when What's New Scooby-Doo gets a, a bit of a, a, a rub because it's a little, maybe a little too close to the amount of thought that went into the original. Right, I Scooby-Doo, think, where are you? Yeah, I think personally that out of the three, uh, What's New Scooby-Doo, uh, Scooby-Doo, where are you, and, um, and Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, mm-hmm. I think What's New Scooby-Doo has the most banger of a theme song. I mean, I like, I like, by, 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 you can sing along to it. You can't sing along to Mystery Incorporated. Mystery Incorporated is just a, a fucking a vamp, though. It, Mystery Incorporated oh, makes you feel wrong. good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. But, like, in, in terms what's this movie do? We're coming as a you. You can sing along with it. No, I get what you're saying. You're not wrong. Point is, Mystery Incorporated was uh, the first, and after a couple of uh, more lower effort adaptations. Mm-hmm. And it also was probably the first version of Scooby-Doo that put an intense amount of thought into actually putting a mystery together. Right. Because it admits that, yes, its target audience is mostly kids. Mostly kids, yeah, but like it's not like... it's not. It doesn't talk down to you. It doesn't think kids are stupid, and in fact, it recognizes that it's going to have to walk you through the mystery because it's a younger audience. But also, all of the pieces in the greater mystery does line up. Yes. The entire series-long arc of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated makes sense. Makes hundred Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Ish. Within its own internal I logic, mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But like, it is a little silly. It's, it's cartoon it's Scooby-Doo. logic. It's Scooby-Doo yeah. cartoon logic. So we're just going to go with it. There's an episode in like the first like ten that I was watching with Katie, and Fred literally does like a Sonic the Hedgehog loop-de-loop around the top of a tunnel. To get past a car, like Wait. it's cartoon logic, it, and you don't even think about it because it's Scooby Doo. Okay, I think I know about. But also, I think it was the one with the uh, the big uh, ghost tractor trailer. Oh, the ghost truck. Yes, ghost truck. 
Okay, 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 gotcha. Oh, yes. They drive the freaking truck into it, it doesn't the mayor's e- office. It doesn't even come into question that he would be capable of driving a mini, like a full-size panel van <laughs> uh, on the top of the roof of a tunnel. Yep. But it's Scooby-Doo. But it's Scooby-Doo, so you don't have to think about it. But then you think about the actual plot points, and they all make sense within, like, a series of events. Yeah, right. Like you un- once you have all the information, everything unfolds how you would expect it to have. Yeah. Now, we're not going to go much farther without saying, if you have not seen Mystery Incorporated... Spoiler warning. Uh, uh, it's a ten-year-old, and actually a ten-year-old show now, but the moment you hear something on this uh, description of events that you think sounds fucking banging, immediately turn this off. Yeah, Dude, go, don't, go watch. Don't, don't come back to this podcast. Yeah. Not when you're done. Watch. It's 52 episodes. It's it's it, a lot, but... It's you, not quite a time commitment. They're half hour. And also for some It'll of them... It'll take you a couple yeah. of days if you, have no, if you have too much free time. You can also just turn your brain off for some of them and do something else. I wouldn't recommend, because honestly... So, some of them. Not every episode has something major and important. But most of them have something of value. Well, yeah, but like that's the most you you mostly want to hop back on near the end of an episode because that's when they actually start revealing some stuff. But it's also it's also like some like some of them you can just hop off for a bit and come back on the train. So I watched this for uh, for the first time about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Brendan, you have seen this within the past month. Yes, I watched it when I was a kid, but then I watched actually watched the series when I was yeah. Yeah, about a month ago. So, what was your biggest takeaway? My biggest take, like wh- from the entire series, what was the part that stand out? It's like, okay, so this is why this is the best Scooby Doo. Um, the sense of continuity, just the sense, like the fact that it is a, a continuity, like a, like a, the show has a continuity that um, characters reoccur, characters have actually personality, and like you know, it's like, oh, I wonder if Sideshow Bob is going to be a bad guy. You know, that's fair, and I, I'm glad you say that, because I feel like that is an excellent uh, case for how far the the bar for cartoons has raised mm-hmm. in the past ten years. Which is kind of surprising. Like, this was, like, one of the first ones that were around that, that kind of did this. Uh, not in, in all of cartoons. Not all it was of the first, but, like... It was the first Scooby-Doo that had, like, an intentional, well-thought-out continuity. Yes. And... Especially mystery focused. It was a part of that wave of cartoons that had like a con- that were silly overall, but had an internal continuity that Gravity they took. Gravity Falls <laughs> is another excellent example that actually came out two years after. Yeah, twenty twelve. And then Adventure Time, which I mean, Adventure Time it was around the same time. It, it's around the same. I time. mean, it was it was also it was uh, the concept of it was maybe for two thousand and ten too. It was a. Uh, Released on Nickelodeon. Yeah, and now there's there's so many cartoons that are out and about where you're expecting this. Theme. There was a phenomenon when, when Mystery Corporate came out and Gravity Falls came out of, of deepest lore. That if, you, if you're paying attention, a little shit in the background, you'll be able to figure out all the deepest lore. But it's for kids, so they can't say. Yeah, it's, that was a big thing in yeah, Adventure it's, Time with, it's with literally the like, Apocalypse. It's literally like people like figured out, like, huh, you know, me, not just kids watch our content. It's like, first of all, there's somebody's kids. And, so and we, parents have to watch, too. And more importantly, kids want to see cool shit, too. Yeah. Kids aren't stupid. Like, you want, like who doesn't want to see a gnome with paralyzing gloves jump around? If you jump give up. children more um, complicated stories earlier on, you will be... How do I say it? Indirectly helping them? Not so much. If you kid... If you kid, if you give kids more complicated stories earlier on, they're going to be able to expect more complicated shit later on. It leads to people expecting more from their media and being able for you know art to grow. Right. So like, so the way the way I, I you know I kind of like you know would compare that. So like, you know, back in the 2010s, kids who were exposed to Adventure Time, Mystery Incorporated, mm-hmm. you know, they got their fun stuff, but they also had a decent story with them. Uh, well, maybe not early Adventure Time, but you know what I mean. Like they knew that kids were coming back to school around the same time, and, and we're going to be at least catching most of these episodes. Yeah, but right now, you know, we're kind of in a 
How do I word this? Um, a setback with, you know, Teen Titans Go. Oh, that's not. And The Loud House. I mean, The Loud House is a good yeah. cartoon, but, like, it's not very Two smart. steps forward, one step back is still one step forward. That's so I'll, let's take what we can get. Netflix is going to come out. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to say Mystery Incorporated is, is the highest bar no. of art. I think. But the fact that it came out and pushed the limits, it, they could have done nothing. Yeah, they could have just made. Another, they could have made yeah. another Scooby Doo. Where are you? like Scooby Doo? Where like they could have been. They could have made Be Cool Scooby Doo. <laughs> God, oh have you seen that? Because it just looks like uh, Family Guy. It, they, I'm not alone. Thank you. Oh, it looks so bad. It's the Seth MacFarlane art style. It, it, why? Be cool. Just be why? cool, Ben. No, be cool. I, fuck off. <laughs> Scooby Doo Missing Incorporated um, takes so much of an inspiration from from. These like '90s era mystery yeah. shows where it's it's a bunch of people in a spooky town, and we got to figure out what, how spooky it is. It, it takes after like Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm-hmm. and like like Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's like in also Scooby Doo. Like, like what about the side characters? Like the, like somehow makes this show really strong. Like other, like other shows like this, the side characters are dope. Bronson Sheriff Bronson Stone. Sorry, his first name is Sheriff. Bro- Sheriff Bronson Stone is my favorite. First off, the voice acting like they got uh, the guy who plays uh, Joe Swanson and um, and Kronk to play him. Yeah, Sheriff no. Bronson Stone. Shit, I'm gonna. Like, I always forget his name whenever I know. I, I know. I, I call him Kronk all the time, but I, I love the voice actor. I love the deaf. They got him to play him. He does an amazing job. He's almost in every episode. Uh, Fred's dad's hilarious. Kronk's uh, voice actor is Patrick Warburton. Thank you. I, Sorry, Patrick. I, I always feel so bad because everyone, watching this, Patrick, but okay. everyone respects his voice acting. If you have not seen a series of unfortunate events, holy shit. But that's besides the point. He plays Lemony Snicket. Okay. 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 Yeah. Right? <laughs> but like the side char- like the side characters are awesome. Like the you know, the two jocks are funny. And end up oh, becoming the, the, important. The, the, the soccer okay, boys, soccer boys that beat up Fred all the Ethan time. Ethan and something. Yeah, the cost us our scholarship, Fred. <laughs> scholarships, Fred. Uh, let's see who else. There's hot dog water. Hot. Oh. Who I just feel bad for. Who to know, to to immediately go into the actual spoilers because we've been dancing around. The we've subject. been dancing around a little bit. Velma. That's the fact. Velma and hot dog water. Becoming just the the most wholesome of lesbians for each other. Yeah, I feel I feel I feel like that's Excellent. why that's, that's why I got the feel. No, it's one hundred percent what they were going for. Yeah, because like like I mean I think they were definitely tiptoeing around it because it was still at twenty it was still at that time where it wasn't like There's, can we do this? There, well, there was a weird watershed moment that happened years after this where it was like okay, I guess it's okay to show girls kissing on children's cartoons now, and that watershed moment was actually in Legend of Korra. Okay, yeah, I, I heard about Which that. Which you have not seen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it suddenly became okay for girls to kiss. And it's it paved the way for Steven Universe to let girls kiss on TV. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel like it's this is a positive development. Mystery Incorporated came before this development. Yes. So the closest so like, they could get is, we're really, really close female friends. Yeah, like the ending. Who, the en- honestly, are pretty much perfect for each other. Yeah, the ending... Um, of of the series has them on a bed together, like talking about the science fair. Yes, like yeah. I mean, can't, it's obvious. It's getting it got to get a little obvious. Um, no, I don't and, mind, and the, but fa- like, and the fact that Hot Dog Water uh, is the uh, voice she, actor. She's voiced by the the actress who the live action Velma who played Velma in the live action films. Yeah, not the car- direct to card network live action. The you know those better are, live action ones. You know those are actually within the same canon, right? I don't care. I don't want them there. Yeah, no. The uh, those are they're, they're, they're prequels to that. Shut up, Sean. It's a, it's a prequel. <laughs> well, the second one, I like. Okay, I like the. Okay, before we get back to this, before, I like the first one of those with the Chad looking Fred Jones. He goes from dark hair to blonde. How do you do that? Are you talking about? Uh, okay, so you're talking okay. about the very the, first. There was the first in like 2002. Yes, we do. We do Spooky Island and Monsters Unleashed. Wow, oh, love those, those films. Here's the thing. I, and I do love those films. I also recognize... I recognize their flaws. I recognize their flaws. They have flaws. I would argue people who hate the film overlook the intent that they were made with, which was to recapture the, the 60s Scooby-Doo madness yes. and 
But like I said, mm-hmm. I hate the ones when they're in high school. Like they really little reboot kind of series for like those two movies. Yeah, because they didn't get the money and hire. The well, yeah, it's, it's the Rent a Cartoon Network movie. I think I think the kid who plays Fred in those movies, not the kid. He was a he was, he was a, a he was a teenager. He was a man actually. The actor at the very least, because he went on to play Firestorm in like the CW Flash <laughs> show. I haven't seen it so. <laughs> for anyone who watches CW, I'm pretty yeah. But Acting Machine Incorporated. The side characters, they got right on point with, like, a good blend of, like, not being so common that they're, like, a natural character, but, like, mm-hmm. being good comic relief, but also having a little bit of plot importance. Well, it's the fact that the side characters all have their own lives and all have their own motivations. Mm-hmm. And all of those, they're all consistent to it. And any time somebody is acting against those motivations it is it's plot because, relevant it's because of the greater plot yes yeah, any time it's bec- there's a reason for it mm-hmm. um, when you, you may not go directly into the reason you might not completely understand why immediately but you figure it out it's also the fact that y- you get to to just take the cat right out of the bag at the very end when you find out there is an eldritch abomination that is up to all of this and you find out that this evil little alien entity is pretty much responsible, not just for all of the crime that's going on in Crystal Cove, but the reason everyone's dressing up in costumes. Yes. And, mm, yes. I, I, that's, I, I, I feel, that's the shit I, I feel like. like uh, I feel like we jumped the shark a little bit. That is the epitome of deepest lore. No, no, we gotta, we gotta pop that and then work back. How did we get, how did we get to Cthulhu? How did we get here? Literally Cthulhu. Because the reason why we have... HP, HP Hatecraft was right. HP Hatecraft was right and that's probably the best goddamn part of the entire... Actually, wait, oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Well, that's what, so this is why I wanted to start with the the big shit and then go back to season one. I rewatched as far as I could in the time allotted, um, season one and a little bit of season two. And I actually pushed back recording this with you a day, specifically because I wanted to piece together right. the how all of these events unfolded. Season one, you have a few episodes where uh, a, an HP Lovecraft mock stand-in comes in, and, and he's a teacher at a college, and they're solving a mystery. Gargothicon, the beast who has, has no, no name. name. But but you named but you named him. But you named him in in the right there. But you but you did <laughs> literally. The fact is, they don't get into anything nonsensical, nothing supernatural, genuinely. Yeah, no. In the first season, if it ended where it did, it would have been a dark ending. But it, everything—that's a mystery solved. Yeah, thank God they got a second season. And then the second season shows like, oh well, there was a bigger there, goings yeah. on around this. Um, you find out that all all of these little references were at, meant to sort of prime you for the idea of. Uh, there might be some Lovecraftian shit going on. Who's mm-hmm. to say? I like. I want to jump real quick back to the first episode. Yes, with uh, Professor Ruffalo. I, th- I can't remember. I don't remember. His he reminds me of Mark Ruffalo. I'm sure. Um, he's a science teacher who was the first, you know, villain. He was dressed up as the as the Fruit Myers monster. Yes, 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 yes. Um, what I as you're, as you're watching the entire show and kind of looking back at it, mm-hmm. it made a lot like. It made a lot of sense that, like, uh, for randomly, one a high school teacher was down in the sewers collecting spore samples. Yeah, can't you buy them online? And two, that like the wall happened to break from him dusting it. Like, three, it, it's the all he, of these. Pl- yes, continue. Sorry. sorry. Three mm-hmm. that he would get just as greedy. To, like, hmm, I found a secret hole with, 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 with the bank. I can rob a bank. Yeah. Like, what? And then finally, who, four... Who figures out they could rob a bank and immediately is like, I well, feel like I'm competent. And I, I, feel like, I feel like I could rob a bank. I could do this. And then four, like, the fact that, like... I play Payday. That the, that the locket that kind of starts off the entire series, mm-hmm. after being washed away decades ago, just winds up in a random cave underneath... And then in the last episode of the season, you, you see... It get washed through that that system. Mm-hmm. You see, You see that, like... You get told that like this evil entity was trying to manipulate. No, that's not that's season two. Um, but the fact. Oh yes, is, oh yes. To, to to jump back and forth. Yes, sorry, there is an evil entity that you find out about towards the last few episodes of the entire show, who is able to subliminally, uh, subliminally, um, like you know, subconsciously, subconsciously and subliminally affect various people, mm-hmm. and 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 the reason there are talking animals is. is 
a whole bunch of conspiracy aliens. This, this dog aliens. Okay. This show, <laughs> well, the whole thing is this show basically took a bunch of genuine. Uh, how do I put this? Conspiracy theorist lore. There, there are. You, you've heard some conspiracy theories. Yeah. Of Planet X. Yes. Maybe. This is a, this is a genuine thing that that has floated around certain uh, communities for several decades now. I since, think since the fifties. We're talking about the one about Tom Cruise. No, Tom Cruise worked his way into something much older than that. Planet X, also called Nibiru. Nibiru. Planet X is, is this idea that there there are. It's an old conspiracy theory that there are aliens out on Planet X that are, are using their their various technologies in order to affect Earth politics. For shits and giggles, I suppose. To what ends? Hey, one guess can what? You're punk. You're on camera. You're on camera. Look. <laughs> now, Mystery Incorporated took a bunch of various other things, a part of this conspiracy theory, like like the kind of shit Alex Jones would talk about, <laughs> and and they decided to to make it into Scooby Doo. Yeah, and it worked. Uh, well, it works because Scooby Doo is silly enough yeah. for this to be, you know. Yeah, but like, I like I like that like the idea that the like. Like the first episode to me, like after like learning what happened mm-hmm. with like with the locket, it sounded so improbable that it would just end up in a very specific cave that they would end up finding. Yeah, and, and that's because the entity, like you know, kind of like one the to get entity them is on. a, the entity is able to influence events not just through people but, but you, you know through, through nature. A little, little bit of telepathy, a little bit of telekinesis. Telekinesis, yeah. Telekinesis. Uh, the entity is able to, and that's why the gang keeps finding it so difficult to break up, and that's why there's so many different iterations because it, it finds people that work mm-hmm. and it influences them, and and there's a moment that was very subtle foreshadowing for the fact that the entity is specifically able to influence animals, mm-hmm. which is why Scooby Doo and Professor Pericles and all these animals are a part of these gangs. It's when Shaggy and Scooby are hiding the piece. And yes. then, I can't remember who it is, but somebody breaks into Shaggy's house and tries to steal it from them. Is, mm, it's not the freak. I, it was the freak. It was the freak of Christmas. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, it was the freak of Christmas. The freak goes to try to, to steal it. So, you know, Mayor Dad tries to steal it from them. And Shaggy's like, I'm going to give it to you. Fuck it. I, I'm Go ahead. Here's your, here's your part of the disc. And then Scooby's like, Mm, nah, fuck it. No, this is mine. Yoink. He yink, yoinks it out of Shaggy's hands and runs away. And that feels out of character for Scooby Doo. Scooby's not that courageous. He's not that. Brave. Doesn't he growl as well? Yeah, like he. he yeah, he like. But not like immediately at him. He's growling like as he snags it and is yeah. running away. It's not an overplayed moment, but it's something small but out of character that when you're looking back on it makes sense. Yeah, because later in season two... Because f- Professor Pericles is just as obsessed with it. Scooby manages just to... Just as... I, I feel like we're going... I feel like he's a little bit off the fucking deep end. Scooby manages to escape the influence of the disc. I, I, believe, I believe because Shaggy has just blown that much smoke into his face yeah, over the years. I think it was because of um, of Nora. Of, like, of his girlfriend doll kind of, like, like explaining to him how it worked kind of a little bit. You a know, little in, bit. In, the fever, in, like, fever dreams. And also, um, in one of the season two episodes, the uh, the friar's ghost mm-hmm. from one of the previous iterations of this gang okay. told them that it's mist- never trust the animal. It's always the animal. Yeah, uh, that's a little past uh, where I managed to rewatch, but I do remember yes. what you're talking about because you find out that uh, you know the mo- you know the mo- you remember the monks. The, the five. This is from, what I yeah. was going at. Yes, the monks and their donkey Porto. Donkey Porto. And the whole reason the planospheric disc and the whole scroll is in the church is because the monks had the piece of the disc. Mm-hmm. And Porto decides to blow up the town. He's exactly. Literally, a donkey becomes a terrorist for a second. Because for, it's because mine. Because because, mine. He want, because because he's like it's mine now. I want this. I do. Goodbye. Um, and then you find out. Um, it goes. Uh, it goes from Porto the donkey and, and the friars. Um, it stays buried in the church after the explosion. For, yeah. For the well, one, one, yeah, one, the, one one's in the church this. and one's in the sunken town. Yes, they had two pieces uh, because Porto only ran off with one. Porto piece, ran off with one, and the guy put the other. And the, the, I think they had three actually, if I remember right, because Porto ran off with one. Entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one, one, one was hidden in the church, and then one was hidden in the wheel cheese. 
Yeah. The fryer put. Yeah. The, that was really fucking random to me when I said, "Why yeah. the? Why is there? Why is it in the cheese?" But also the, that episode foreshadows later because the guy says, "The cheese told me to come here." True. To, br- to bring the disc back. True. 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 And true. You're, I was confused. Like, why would a talking cheese? And then it turns out it's. The and then it turns out it's the, the curse of the disc. The fact that they wait until the late season two for there to be real monsters that start showing up was, was the part that really. Oh. Mm-hmm. Once you once you like once you like once um because because a new like a monster would appear as soon as they solve a mystery like that's not fake yeah. Um, it's the, it's the fact that they waited so long within the show in order to, to set that pop off, and it works. It works well. Because as a viewer, you can't tell whether or not you're being fucked with. It's like, wait, was that real? What? Huh? Like, was that real? Is this part of, like, a big... If it, is it is a Pericles plan? Exactly. And then you find out, it's like, no, it's just, you know... No, there, it, was, it was actual warnings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was actually, it was actually like, uh, hey, uh, don't do this. Stop. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> please, just be careful. Don't make our mistakes. Please don't do what you... Please don't do... Oh, okay, you did it. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, see, I mean, at the end, they were the perfect group. No, fully. You're absolutely right on that. Which, going to the ending, to the ending again, I like and don't like the fact that to defeat Cthulhu, basically. Mm-hmm. The power of friendship. <laughs> he it, can't hurt them for friends. It is ultimately... <laughs> no, you're fine. It is ultimately Scooby-Doo. And that is why I love it so much. Because you can take something so dark and so serious and still have it end with the power of friendship. Yeah. And that is... Très magnifique. And, and like the fact that the... Uh, they 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 mm-hmm. they build up that the the only thing that can kill the sarcophagus is the heart of the jaguar, mm-hmm. and it's like you know it's, it's an actual like heart of a spear. Yeah, and, and it doesn't like, work. Oh, fuck. No, and it's like never mind. no, we are the heart of the jaguar. It's like uh, that trope. I well, like it. But well, that trope. Well, it's the fact that of course, of course, people working together and 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 the power of friendship would be the solution since. The entity manages to manipulate people and manipulate by friendships. causing and well by causing infighting. Yes, if the group is working as a singular unit, he can't do shit to him. Nope. Which is why Mister Incorporate gets so goddamn far. I think Scooby also has the uh, the best killing blow in all of anime. <laughs> Just jumps. <laughs> yeet! Yeet a spear! Yeet a stick! Not even a spear, a stick at that point, and breaks the sarcophagus. Yeah, best anime death, best anime One, kill. One top, shot. top ten anime battles. Top, top ten anime battles. Um, uh, I mean, it, it, it was a good. It was a good finale. Seeing that Cthulhu Cthulhu parrot though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the entity itself was just a black blob. It was a black well, blob muck, muck thing. Yeah. Yeah. Until it ate the parrot, and then, it took, and like, then a became shape. Yeah. It, well, yeah. It's like, let's be honest. Squid, like big squids and like octopi kind of look like giant bird beaks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's fucking terrifying. Sometimes I think terrifying. about the fact that that squid have beaks, and I never want to step foot in the ocean again. No, <laughs> you do not. And the fact that, like, okay, I, I like mentioning this because mm-hmm. I think it's like this. This is when the show got really mature for a minute. Yeah. Is when they first enter the like kind of like the spirit worlds, the element worlds, or the like. Oh, actually, it was, it was parallel. Oh, no, the, it the, was parallel universes, kind of. The fucking uh, twin when they start doing the Twin Peaks references with the the red room and the and the the, the dwarf and whatnot. Yes. The guy talking backwards and shit. Never mind. Continue. Sorry. Um, this, is, this is like a few uh, maybe episode before the finale. Mm-hmm. They're you know they're walking. You know, they go, they go through these rooms, have to figure out the puzzles to try mm-hmm. to get the next room, and. The first one, the air room. They literally, they they don't even like be around the bush. They kill, like they hear the gunshots of their friend being murdered. Yeah, and like, and all like with with Nazi robots find you too. Nazi robots. Yeah, I the, the the death of hot dog water is. <sighs> it's a rough point. Because yeah. 
because it's to the point where it, it's completely undeniable. It's undeniable. But you don't see it on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't say no to putting it on there. And then there's the fact that it, it you've been with this character since like towards the end of season one. And they've had an effect, and, and they've had they've had they a, a, a dynamic a, character arc. A, yes, they've had a dynamic character arc, and they have a, a distinct connection to multiple people in the group. And you actually and then like her. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, you actually you start to like her. I I hated her when she first appeared. I thought she was whiny, annoying. Still not as sad as the mystery machine. When they blow up the mystery. Oh machine. yeah, when they had the, like kamikaze the mystery machine. Yeah, no, that that was the sadder death. If I if I'm honest. <laughs> I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, everyone thought that Fred and all of them died was, uh, I guess not as sad. <laughs> no, no. The mystery <laughs> machine is the, is the real death. But, uh, no, I love, yeah, no, I, I liked how they did that, and then, spoiler warning, of course, again. We've um, already said yeah, the we fucked up already. this. <laughs> we, um, we gave a spoiler warning after the, the After they kill Burkathulu, they, um... Burkathulu. Burkathulu. Bartholomew, they uh, the, basically the entire universe gets retconned back into like a, a north, like so the fact that like they killed the sarcophagus, the sarcophagus mm-hmm. now never existed, it's so nothing si- happened. It's a situation much like the ending of of the original comic book storyline, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, the entire universe gets blown the fuck up, and then it gets rebuilt, and nobody remembers anything. No one remembers anything. But happening. there's a vague echo of. Of what happened in the previous timeline, right? So I was just checking the time. You're, You're fine. On. But what else we talk about, Mister Incorporated? Um, well, let's, let's clarify that Mister Incorporated ends on rebooting the uh, the timeline yeah. uh, that happens, and because Mister Incorporated has actually been working for a few years uh, at, at the start of. Uh, uh-huh. They're still in high school, but they've had a few mysteries. They've gone through like the classic ones, the classic ones. R- the ro- um, but they are still like kids. But yeah, they, they were st- yeah they were still kids. They weren't like the, they're like in high school. After uh, the events of Mystery Incorporated, the timeline is rebooted, and it turns out that the entire series Never. is actually a prequel to the rest of the franchise. Because then, and then they you go would go on into go on to solve the mysteries from the you know, Scooby Doo. Where, where are you? Scooby Doo. Where are you? Yeah. Yes. And that was actually really nice fan service. And like, but like also, it also I feel like it, a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit. I feel like it kind of cheats their sacrifice, like their sacrifices, their their passions. Like so, how I wear this, like, um, I everyone's ha- is, is everyone's happy ending. Is everyone's happy ending? Yeah. But like all the storylines between Daphne and her parents and Fred, is basically blown like blown away. Like, oh, we love Fred now because he's because you know yeah. we're not. But also, they're not being influenced by the evil entity. Well, part of that is, yes, the sa- everyone gets their happy ending, but all the sacrifices and growths, the growth that they do go through, does get wiped away. So, like, they haven't had some of the character development yeah. that they did from. Which is kind I of mean, why the yeah, characters are a little more bland in Where Are You? <laughs> Which is a, a, a little extra, extra little detail that I like a lot. Yeah, but, so like, out of all, but out of all the epilogue kind of things, mm-hmm. the fact that if Shaggy, if the evil, if they never, evil and they never existed and they never were like a mystery solving team, mm-hmm. that Shaggy would be the number one culinary student in the country. Mm-hmm. He's still lazy. <laughs> I mean, I guess he focused on trying to make better food for himself, but he can be lazy. But he's also motiv- He's motivated. He's, he's motivated food. by food. Yes, he's motivated by food. If anything, I feel like he would have gotten the the top culinary position just from making himself food <laughs> and people watching that happen. That's like, fair. I mean, that's, that's fair. He's done such inventive things. We I mean, have you seen him use like take two sandwiches and like full of my cards? Like, dude, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> it, it's genuinely impressive, <laughs> and it kind of also like, un- like makes you like understand why um, all of how it was all of like the events of like the original Scooby like people are like, well, how do two kids like five, like four kids in a van yeah. with a dog you know travel around the country? It's probably like, well, I mean, Daphne's parents are rich, Fred's parents are rich, everyone's loaded except Velma and, and Velma, Velma and Shag- Velma and Shag- are like middle class. 
Shaggy, no, Shaggy is straight up affluent. His parents own a manor larger than Daphne's, actually. Shaggy is richer than than Daphne in this one. Fred is the mayor's son who is also well off. Well, not in the reboot. Not in the rebooted timeline towards the end. Yeah. You're right. Um, I mean, I, I, it's been so long yeah, since no, I've seen no, the no, end, no, so no, I can't His real parents are the uh, old Mystery Incorporated guys, and his, right, right, his right, old right. dad, mayor dad, <laughs> my my not dad dad not dad dad that's what we call him not dad dad I remember yes uh, is his uh, soccer coach <sighs> what like, a demotion and when, and, and when, like when Fred calls him dad that's hilarious Fred calls him dad can well we, you know Fred you're always like a son to me okay so can we go back for a brief moment and yes. talk about Fred Jones Senior because one of my favorite characters Fred Jones one he's a delight and a hoot if also a tremendous piece of shit he is. Consider the events of season one. He stole Fred he stole as, as a, a baby. Child. Like, what a Rumpelstiltskin ass yeah. fucking move. It's like, you come back here, I won't touch the kid. It's like, okay, okay. It's terrifying me. <laughs> and the fact that Brandon, everyone was cool with it. Brandon should just do it. Yeah, that, that should have been. Obvious, obvious point. Brad and Junior, piece of shit. Yeah, they just gave their kid away because he told he told him he won't hurt them if they don't. Like, I, I, I guess they did love him in a way, but like, well, yeah, uh, they're they're being influenced. They want to come back the for the entity. disc. Yeah, they're like, being influenced by the entity, which is why they're so chill. Yeah. afterwards, but and uh, you know, to, to talk about speaking of Brad and Judy, let's talk about Mister E and uh, Angel Dynamite. So two things. One, they actually killed off Angel Dynamite midway through season two, which blew my fucking mind. Oh yeah, no, yeah, Cassidy dies. I thought she was gonna come back. I literally was waiting near the ending, like, oh, she's gonna come back and fucking RPG and like save the kids. Like, no, I think she's dead until the reboot. She's yeah. done until the reboot. Um, no, yep. characters go missing and don't come back because you know there are actual stakes in this particular version of Scooby Doo. Hundred percent. And I let Mister E turns into like a a pizza face like troll demon. Into uh, basically Steve Jobs. Yeah, um, the the fact that Ricky, oh, do you catch that uh, Ricky uh, in his younger years is voiced by by Robin from Teen Titans? Nah. Yeah, no, it's the same dude. Like young Ricky's like, yo, is it Professor Pericles, please, the Titans go. <laughs> I didn't notice that at all. Professor Pericles, please free me from Teen Titans go. <laughs> I didn't agree to this. <laughs> Oh, well, that was getting paid. So. I don't agree to how much money I'm making. So, overall, let's go through the time the, the timeline that we can figure out yes. for everything that went on, and then we'll call it on Mystery Incorporated. Yes. So, beginning, the very beginning, they uh, find the locket. Um, uh, they find the locket. I'm talking. Oh, like the entire timeline. Let, let's go as far as, as what's. Uh, like we're like like what let's they go, what they go into. Let's go into the first mystery and then we'll expand to to the okay. other one. Okay. So, the monks, uh, with their donkey. We have, we could we could go farther back. Okay, go ahead with that. So it starts it starts Remind off me what goes with yeah. the Mayans. These Mayans these mm-hmm. Mayans mystery solvers with their jaguar or something. No, they are the ones who are well, said... Okay, so that's the larger mystery. I'm talking about initially just Crystal Cove. Okay, initially Crystal Cove? And then we'll go back okay, further so, from that. Well, I mean, I, I feel like so. I feel like those... Let me, let me, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it, and then... So, the people, the Mayans, try to break the coffin, yes. but it's stolen by the Conquistadors, yes. who then bring it to Crystal Cove. I suppose... I, I, that's why I, I, I wanted to know like where it came okay, from. Okay, that's Sorry. fair. I, I forgot that those events were pretty much... Uh, the, still right still connected, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you're absolutely right. The, the Mayan mystery solvers have their pieces stolen by conquistadors, mm-hmm. who then um, have their own group of friars that are involved, who then get all of their pieces together. You have Porto the donkey, who, uh, with all these pieces together, steals one of them, blows up the town, and kills his group. Mm-hmm. No. Kills all but one. One was found. But he also, if I remember right, gets eaten by one of the alligators. Yes. Of Gatorsburg. Of Gatorsburg, which was... Which is why Mr. E brings them to Gatorsburg so early, because that's where the shit is. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I thought that was a really random... I thought Gatorsburg was really random, 
And then when they help, they're like, oh, okay. And then, and then they still find random, but okay. The fact that Gettysburg is honestly the, you know, where all of this ended up happening. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, th- I think because Mr. E left a note saying this where it all started or something like that. Yes. Um, and then one so, piece is left at the bottom of the sunken town. Yes. One piece is in the church. Now... Well, the map was in the church, not the piece, actually. The, ma- the, the map was in the church. They got the piece from the Darrow family, but I don't remember how the Darrow family got that um, piece. Darrow family, no. So the piece... Um, so the, the, Oh, shit, no, Danny... Oh, okay. Danny Darrow they so had a piece. Get, they don't get the piece. They try to get it. My bad, you're right. Okay. Um, the piece that the original Mystery Incorporated gets was one that was locked in the chest underneath the church. Mm-hmm. wasn't actually in the church, technically, but was under the caves. And they get it at the same time they, they get, find the map, because it's in the organ. Yes, it's okay. in the organ. And then, so that's two people. One, one was stolen by Porto. One was uh, put under the uh, bottom of the sea. One mm-hmm. was in the chest underneath the, underneath the church. Uh, the one that was stolen from Porto ended up going through the cheese wheel. Okay, so those were the same pieces. Yes. All right. The Darrow family has one. I don't think they ever explained where they got theirs from. I can't remember exactly if they do or not. I don't remember. Uh, but I, There's two more. Um, so it goes from, from all of that... Um, Fred Jones Sr. finds out that the original Mystery Incorporated has their piece. He still he doesn't steal Baby Fred until a couple years later. No, because he he, he takes the piece from Professor Pericles. He takes the piece from Professor and Pericles, knocks him out, right? And, and, fr- and frames him, him, him and frames him from like. And that's how Pericles got his scar. And then yes, and then he's framed for the missing children. So f- at that point, Fred Jones has a, uh, Fred Jones Sr. has a piece. Mm-hmm. Once in the bottom of the sea. Once in the ship of the original Cookie Stores, because the guy somehow got his ship onto a giant rock. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, um, and then Hot Dog Water lures them, the gang, to solve the traps. That yes, was, this I remember. And there's one more piece that's missing. I can't put my finger on. Um, we're not. Uh, I think Mister. I think Mister. E had a piece. Most likely. Um. So I think that'll be that'll be the six. Okay, so we got through all of that. Yes. Um, the initial mystery of season one with Mr. Incorporated disappearing is pretty much solved. At the end. Um, of season one. At the end of season one. And then realizing that all of these discs have to lead to some kind of cursed treasure that everyone's fighting. That is when the greater Eldritch timeline uh, comes up, mm-hmm. which is fucking aliens. Aliens. Possessing animals. Somehow, yeah. And it's like... Worshipped as gods from people from time to time when the Biru was happening. That's fair. I, I just think it is is so spectacular uh, that a Scooby-Doo franchise entry is capable of, of mixing alien Cthulhu talking animals. Right. And a, a, a genuinely well thought and put together mystery. And it's still probably the funniest out of all of them. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. Loved it. Um probably the highlight being Baylor Hotner just because of how much it manages yeah, it manages to date wah, wah. it manages to date the show um, to the exact era it was coming out at the height of, of, of Twilight Fever. Twilight Queer, yeah. And still manages to not make the show itself feel dated. Exactly. I agree. Um, so I, I think that's... Uh, any closing points on Mystery Incorporated? Um... We've pretty much spoiled everything. Anybody who's gotten to the end of this um, is like, well, I has to agree or just will we'll hate the show. Yeah, sorry guys. Uh, uh, you know. No, you're fine. If you don't care about Scooby Doo and us talking about all of this crazy shit has managed to convince you, mm-hmm. honestly, having this shit spoiled isn't isn't as bad. It's not going to ruin it because honestly, part most of the joy of this show is just seeing the characters interact. But going into this fresh is the optimal. Is optimal, yeah. So if you listen to this and you think all this shit's crazy, it's probably best that we weren't very concise and clear. No. Try and forget some of the cool <laughs> we are shit. Very not concise. We were a little rambling so that you hopefully you don't don't make your own conclusion. Make your own conclusion. Exactly. And like also you can find pieces of you know of the story that we missed and we didn't talk about. Yeah. Entirely possible. I didn't we didn't do too I mean, much. Don't research. don't comment it because I'll feel bad. Oh, uh, no comment. I want to know. <laughs> what did we miss? Um, right, um, so I guess we can just go over to our second and hopefully final piece of topic. Cause, yeah, we'll just talk about that. Wow, we're only on 40 minutes right now. <laughs> I fucking love Scooby-Doo, I man. love Scooby-Doo, too, man. We didn't even talk about all of the <laughs> Really? Really? <laughs> anyway. So, the other one we wanted to talk about, we want to do a little bit of a, I guess, a mini-spoiler cast since it's an ongoing show. 
In our first episode, we talked about the Dragon Prince. Yes, and you told me about it. I, I've been nagging you about it you were, for, for, for a while beforehand, and then I actually sat down and watched it. Because I knew for a fact that this was a show that you that would get stuck in your head for a while. It did. Uh, it's created by one of the uh, one of the head writers for Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay. Uh, Aaron Erhaz, uh, he's done other shit. He's worked on a few episodes of Futurama, but the primary shit he's known for was writing episodes of Last Airbender. And he brings that exact level of quality of writing and world building to the Dragon Prince. Because, holy shit. The Dragon Prince is great. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's a show where you know for a fact they've had the entire world mapped out before they started writing, writing dialogue. Yeah, it's like, they're not going, they're not writing as they go. They already had a cohesive idea. They knew it, they, they knew how the, they knew how the land was laid out. They know which locations were where. They know which locations are important. And they know how their magic system works. Yes. And that's more work than a lot of shows put in. Yeah, some, some, some stories are just like, uh, mana, magic, mana, magic. Oh, we have so much power. Or something like that, but like no, like no, like oh, they draw their power from this or from the earth or from even like you know, unless you're an elf, in which case you can just do it. Yeah, elves can just do it. Whatever. Um, but uh, so let's let's talk about a little bit of the Dragon Prince. Dragon Prince takes place in a uh, in a, a magical world. It's a, a a fantasy continent called um, the fantasy continent of Zadia, and then and the American kingdoms. One, the major one being Catullus. Did you say the American kingdoms? <laughs> The human kingdom. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Americans are humans. All three humans are Americans. (laughs) (laughs) The the human kingdoms, namely Catullus. Uh, Catullus is is where all of our our primary primary, uh, protagonists are all based in. Now, it starts out with... This is also going to be a little mini-spoiler cast. It starts out with a, a, a very important character death. Yes, and and that character ends up actually being a a very important figure of the story posthumously. Question: Yes, how spoilery are we going for Dragon Prince? Um, let's stick to let's stick to the uh, to season one for right now. Okay, because we can do another talk uh, in a few. We'll do each season in an episode so that people can can catch up along. Okay, yes. Yeah. So Since it's first ongoing, off, go yes, go see. It's an ongoing show, so there's there's a lot less to talk about as a, a whole, and it's right. much easier for you to understand if you're also going along with us. So we'll talk about season one for now, okay? And then we will go through uh, other stuff later on. Now, so what's the most important part in season one? Like jelly tarts, <laughs> jelly tarts, uh, jelly tarts. They look, they actually look delicious. Um, mm-hmm. so with Dragon Prince season one, mm-hmm. um, I like that they set up characters and motives. Mm-hmm. Um. I like kind of there's a little bit of naiveness in it as I would say like the characters there's a little bit of a naivete and, and in fact our two protagonists uh, Callum and uh, are still like their royal children Ezra, they're they, shel- yeah they're sheltered they're, they're sheltered they haven't been exposed to too much yeah. exactly but I like seeing a little bit of growth they have over time I'm, also I'm just trying to remember what happens in season 1 too that's fair because it, it's the one that I, I've seen uh, it the ends, longest ago it ends with this right it, it ends with Callum breaking the orb that he's okay. carried the whole series. Yes. I, I, okay, okay, okay. So I just want to make sure that I wasn't going to spoil stuff past that. Yes, I okay. get you. Um, the season itself is an excellent example of if you like a show in the first season, you're going to love it more. You might love it in the, in the second. The second and third season do are better, in my opinion. Part of it is that it. Uh, the first season is dedicated so much to setting up future character arcs mm-hmm. that have already paid off very handsomely yes. by the current season, which is season three. Yes, I yes, they pay off really good and um there are it's a show that thinks ahead because there are arguments that are seated in the first season that don't take place don't, until the third. Nothing blooms in third or even two. Like, yeah. very early two. Um, y- yes. Uh, uh, the, uh... The, uh, the, big, the, the big the big downfall. Sure, yes. The season starts with the death of of the King of Contolis. Okay, so we're going to... I was, I was making sure we were actually going to say his name or not. Yes. Um, Daddy dead. King, fuck, what, what, King... King Heron? Yeah, um... King... Shit, we're gonna look this up. Yeah, go go for me, King King. It's, a, it's I feel like it's an H. 
It is an age, but um, Carol just cuts. But I, 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 when I first saw him, like King hey. Hera. Hera. So, so the actual uh, the King of Hittalus is named King Hera. Yes. Okay. Continue. Uh, I was gonna say when I first saw him, I kind of say, "Hey, Dreadlock King." Yeah, yeah. That's he has okay. Long, I, well, I, I like this hair. Okay, his, his hair is very his, nice. His, his, his design, char- his character uh, design is really nice. Uh, it's the fact that you can tell uh, that uh, shit. What's uh, why I'm talking about? That he's um, that he's like, he's you can tell that he's he, he has a his character design shows that he he has a very human side as well as the fact that being a king, he does know the formalities that are asked. Of yes. Him. Um. He's um, not. He's not completely rigid, but he's not co- flexible either. Yeah, not like Mister Crewcut Douchebag. Oh, Soren. <laughs> yeah, fucking Soren. Uh, what's what's his dad's name again? So okay, so the antagonist group in season one are Lord Viren, Lord Viren, the, the, the court yep. mage, and Lord Regent after Harrow dies. Yes. Um, Soren, his son. Soren, his son, and Olivia's daughter. Olivia, is it? Fuck. What is it? Shit. Go ahead. Um, and his daughter. Um, what Lord Viren is is a dark mage because what I was I said before, only elves can naturally do magic. Humans have to do dark magic, which takes the life from something. His daughter's name is Claudia. Fuck me. <laughs> Shit. I love you. I'm Claudia. Oh. So you're you're spot on about that. So. It has gone on into a little bit more detail in season two, but this is yes. more world building, so it's not quite a spoiler. Yes, humans are not physically capable of, of doing magic, magic without some kind of item of power, without something that is able to uh, provide the energy for them. Yes, in season one, Callum's is obviously the storm orb, which lets him do yeah, wind that magic. He yoink, that he yoinks from Claudia. Let's, let's him do sky magic. He can do lightning shit. He can do uh, yeah. He can do do, do wind and shit. Yeah, sky magic is basically your thunder and wind magic. Yeah, exactly. Now, Claudia is able to do so much more than him because they just they just kind of s- squeeze the magic, squeeze the life energy, right the magic out. force. Well, they 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 have to kill a magic creature in order, yes. and it has to be fatal in order to work. Yep. They they can't you let can, it survive. You can't go between. You those. can't be merciful, and and it's one of those things where All it gets poor jelly tarts. It gets a little bit into, uh, I would say, like, it, symbolism for climate change. In that point, it's a little uh, bit renewable. A little bit. They get. They it's definitely a, progress versus nature. One hundred percent. It gets a little bit more into uh, specifically, uh, like fossil fuel shit, like that in the later seasons, as being a little more evidence of of the metaphor they're going for. A little bit, yeah. Um, you definitely get. It's okay. So it seems so in the, in the first season, it mm-hmm. seems harmless enough, mm-hmm. but then the later seasons will show you why it's that not. There are effects, and there's a cost every single time you and use I, it. I will definitely there be, is a reason. I will definitely break my heart in season. I'll, when we talk about season two next time, I'll break my fucking heart. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. I do know exactly what you're talking about. There is a a, a scene. Um, I think I will. Go, go are, 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 you, are you going to talk about season two or season? No, one? no, season one's. Done. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Um, golly don't, gee, don't, don't spoil it yet. No, you're fine. Golly gee, I, I've, I've misplaced what I was trying to talk. There is a reason why Viren has to kill a butterfly every morning to put on his makeup. Basically, yeah. Because dark magic fucks you up real bad. Yeah, it, it has long-term effects. Long-term, even just a little bit. Mm, yeah. Um, now, with season one, uh, there's a few things, if you were watching it for the first time, you might be thrown off by the animation style. Um, it's immediately fixed in season two. Immediately. They were going for a, a bit of effect similar to what they were doing in Into the Spider Verse. Uh, it didn't. It, it just didn't work well for the medium it was. No, it didn't work out for the art style. I feel. I feel like the art style was a little bit too close to like medieval painting. Um, for that to to quite. Yeah, I was kind of going for like like the fact that like this wasn't a comic book inspired. You know what I mean? Like I get what you're that saying. Like a comic book feel wasn't like kind of like well, it's or suppo- not comic book. It's but supposed like, to be like a. I get. I feel, what like you're more, I feel like it's more of a storybook. Fair, I get what you're saying. Now, you know the storybook has a lot. They listened uh, when uh, they listen when people complain. Season two immediately fixes that. So if your issue is with the animation style, just just get through it. You're fine. If, if anything is, if anything else is drawing you to the show, know that that will be fixed. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about characters. The performances are tremendous. Oh yeah, very good voice acting. 
now you have your main character who uh, Callum Callum and Ezrin Callum yeah they kind of both like, Callum is and you know for a fact that this is supposed to be a send up to uh, uh, Avatar because Callum is just straight up voiced by Sokka yeah yeah he is and, oh my god he is and you, did, did you not realize no just, just realized yeah it. no uh, Callum is voiced by the same uh, person who voiced Sokka yep and, I feel and I'm surprised they bring up Boomerang you can tell that you say that there is actually a boomerang Easter egg in season three. We will talk about that. We, we, we uh, off camera. Fair enough. Now, you can you can tell they tried to make him a bit of an anti Sokka, as and it works. Yeah, like Sokka was all care like free going. He, he was all free going. He was all aplomb. He was kind of uh, portraying uh, a goofyish. He, he was a goof. Callum can have his goofy moments, but, but he's mostly serious. For the most part, he's more of a a kind-hearted older brother. Mm-hmm. In many ways, he's the exact same character as Sokka. He is an older brother to someone who has a more important destiny than him. <laughs> uh, I mean, he is okay. very cool. he is very intelligent. He is very intellectual, mm-hmm. uh, but he also has different weaknesses than Sokka. Whereas Sokka is very confident, uh, except for Calm's a little insecure. Um, Sokka, it, I would say Sokka is also uh, uh, insecure, but he also portrays a front of, of confidence. That occasionally breaks as a facade. Callum, it, it, Callum's too much of a pussy for that shit. <laughs> Callum is a little puss puss. <laughs> he is. But he grows. He and, grows and becomes a badass a little bit. And, and by the end of season one, you can already see the, not the full effect of that growth yet, but you see that he's trying to be a little more heroic. Yeah. He's yeah. willing to sacrifice his special magic powers to save the life of a certain thing. Oh, and he doesn't even think about it. He's no? just He just kind of assumes he'll still be able to do it. But he's a storm! <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's Callum. Ezrin. Ezrin is uh, hilarious. Ezrin is a character that I will say, season one might not be... It's not his best. It, he takes a little bit more time to warm up. Yeah. There is a lot of growth he goes through. He's got, also got to remember, he's also a sheltered prince. Yes, true. And keep in mind something about that. And, and this isn't so much a spoiler, it's something that, that you might want to pay attention to as you watch more of the show. Ezrin's a little bit of a Buddha. He's a, he's a sheltered prince who goes out into the world, and, yeah. and then he sees the state of the world, and he immediately becomes the most zen human being. That is fair. Who communes with animals. Uh, Ezra and the Buddha. And, then, and that's the thing, that the first two episodes were of him stealing jelly tarts. Yeah. and then he, <laughs> For the first two episodes, it was like, jelly keep, tarts. Keep in mind there are big plans for Ezra, and you will grow to love him. You will love him, Much yeah. like you would grow to learn your to love your own child. And kind of think he's a badass, too. He's also pretty much a badass. Oh, well, that that might be getting a little... little I mean, okay. Well, you're you, fair. Yeah, season three, we'll talk about it later. Um, uh, I guess next we talk about Rayla. We haven't even mentioned Rayla. No, we haven't. Rayla is, in fact... It's an interesting part that if, if you're curious whether or not it will become addressed, yes, it does. Rayla has an active hand in the death of Ezrin and Ezrin's father yes. and Callum's stepfather. She was she's part of assassins who were sent to kill him. Literally, and in fact, um, Ezrin would have died if uh, Rayla had not turned. Yeah, because of the spoiler warning for the first like first episode, uh, the dragon egg, the dragon prince, still alive. I mean, I wouldn't call that so much. But we, we're talking about shit a lot farther. Than Fair. That. Dra- the dragon prince is still alive. The, the dragon prince is still alive. Rayla, who has been sent to assassinate the, the human king, mm-hmm. uh, as well as his progeny. As, as his son. Um, chickens out of it a little bit, but then runs into Ezrin and is like, fine, fuck it, I'll, I'll stab I, I him. I can stab a kid real quick. Uh, honor. And then he shows the egg. And she's like, we could do peace. There could be peace. And because she decides to abscond with the dragon egg... Mm-hmm. And, and with Ezrin and Callum. And the, and the orb, yep. The, yeah, the, uh, and the orb, yeah. The rest of her unit is murdered. Save for one. Save for one, yeah. Who, who, who... then becomes currency. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And, and you just assume that the rest of the gang is also a part of the money. And, and the fact that it's different people on the money is... That's, that's a good... Yeah. But then you go on, and then, like... Mm-hmm. She she develops as a very stoic character. Yes, doesn't really open up, but then she opens up slowly but surely to the team. The and, moment, amazing, she's f- afraid of water. And I would argue that that season one of Dragon Prince is very much like the the first season of Avatar: The Last Airbender, in that it's mostly setting up for characters, um, 
showing them grow as a unit right. and then showing their weaknesses and how they help each other improve. Exactly. Because um, there's a moment, uh, much like Aang admitting that he abandoned being the Avatar, yeah. where Rayla is admitting, not something quite as heavy, but Rayla admitting that she's afraid of water. It's something that she's ashamed to admit, but... Because uh, uh, moon elves... Yeah, moon elves. Shouldn't, aren't supposed to be afraid of anything. Exactly. They actually train themselves to say they don't fear death, so they don't, uh, are, aren't afraid of dying. Exactly. Uh, they, they just use a mantra in order to convince themselves. Mm-hmm. And now, Rayla admits this uh, to the group, which is a, a big moment for her. And, and they're just like, yeah, we already fucking knew. Yeah, yeah we kind of figured it out. Big one. Uh, uh, but she also has one of our, both of ours, uh, favorite scenes. Rail is also an excellent source of comedy. And it's, yes. it's the show is a, a, an excellent uh, array of, of humor. Of humor, fantasy, it, and action. The, the humor itself, it, it, it's mostly on the childish end, admittedly. But there are some, yeah. there are some moments that are real, real joys. Um, there is a, uh, a character who is deaf. And, and yes. Have, oh no. Uh, Am Amira. Amaya. Amaya. They're they're Amaya. Aunt, they're Aunt Amaya. Yes. She um, is probably one of the most badass characters in the show. And then they use uh, they use the fact that she is deaf, uh, which you'd think uh, that's not the that's best. being that's, that's pointing fun at her. But no, no, they're not using the fact that she is deaf as, as humor or anything. They're using how people react to her being deaf yes. as a lot of the comedy. And she also is the character that tells the most jokes. Yeah. Uh, because there are times where if you are a little fluent in sign language, you will notice that the, what what she is saying. Let's do this be- once, a few times. Yeah. Um, Brendan, just for for those listening to the audio, did the little under the hand little fuck you thing. You might you might be familiar with. Um, hey. There there are a few times where what she uh, is. Uh, translated as saying is not what those hand signs necessarily mean. <laughs> yeah, the, the guys. Her translator is. Uh, mm-hmm. He's really picky, real picky about what he translates. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know, there's actually, um, uh, if you turn the audio description on, there will be some times where he describes what she is signing, and there are some times where he will explicitly not tell you what she is signing. Um, but yeah, but she, and then, uh, but to go back to what you were saying about Rayla has a has, a has one of our favorite scenes. Uh, uh, yeah, Rayla has a recurring bit where she dresses up as a human. Because uh, el- humans, humans, they hate elves. Uh, humans so, so will kill an go, elf yeah. on sight. When they have to go into a human town, she needs to disguise herself as uh, human Rayla. Because the, the, ten- the, the tension between the, the magical and non-magical races... It's basically at, almost at war. Real high. They, yeah. they kind of There are, are okay, like, full-out war, like, invading. Yes. Uh, Rayla goes into town dressed up as human Rayla, where she just puts a hood on, gives herself an extra finger, and goes, how'd it, fellow humans, human fellas? And it works every single time. It works every no, the, everyone's fooled. To the point where the only time she gets caught are because she just actively starts doing elf shit, like exactly. jumping around. She's, she's like, oh boy, don't you love your sub-century lifespans? Um, another one of my the lines that sticks with me a lot is Claudia talking to, to Soren about how she invented coffee. And she's like, I oh my call God. it brown morning wake-up potion. <laughs> yes. She invents coffee and just calls it brown morning wake-up potion. And then the coffee makes her, makes her start fighting and he's like, "Is that was that your horse? That, that, yeah, that joke was like the, that was, that was the lowest low of the first season in my opinion. Yes. I, I would say that was the most kid humor, but I mean like season one of Avatar had similar moments. Yeah, I know. Kid humor. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's sort of a thing. But, like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just being honest with my critique. Fair. You start out with the with the lowbrow humor, and then by the time you get to your last seasons, they're already, like, teenagers now. You don't gotta... Your audience is growing up with you. You're fine. They're growing up. Um, but... Come on, they can say shit on Red Dragon Prince. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Uh, anything else we should really add about Dragon Prince Season 1? I think Season 1 does a... So much setting up that there's not really too much of a payoff to describe. No, this. not yet. Um, like the, season three gives the, you the payoff. The payoff season one is is that the dragon dragon's born hatches out of his egg and like ooh la la is he going to be a cool dude? Or are they going to hang out? And it turns out he's he's a he's, real cool. He dude. he he's a fucking adorable. Uh, it, it's to the point where it's like you forget that he is fully sentient until yeah. he starts doing some also, real uh, smart uh, shit. Also, uh, went over this. Uh, yeah, Rayla almost loses her fucking arm. Like it's about it's about to be cut off by cir- by uh, like you know cutting off circulation. That's an excellent point uh, that it shows very early on the culture of the Moonshadow Elves. Um, Commitment. Th- in order to commit 
to their contract, the the price to ensure that you will go on uh, is that you are bound. You are bound to your to your kill, basically, and, and, and your cuffs, the cuffs that they put on you, squeeze tighter and tighter the longer that you've gone without fulfilling your your yes. your your contract. Uh, because if it weren't for the fact that Zim was capable of tearing through it. Yeah, because, you know, dragons are like the most powerful beings in the world. Exactly. Rayla would have lost her hand yeah. uh, instead of, you know, kill Ezrin. <laughs> I, see, okay, She's I'll like, be how do we get this off? He's like, well, I mean, I could just poke you real hard. Here, here's what I thought was going to happen with the show. Yeah? The ep- So, at one point, the dragon, uh, Ezrin and the dragon egg fall into an icy pond. And you thought and, she would be tempted to let him drown. And I... Th- and the payoff of that is that the egg becomes very sick mm-hmm. and nearly dies, so they have to hatch it immediately. Exactly. I thought Ezrin was going was going to die, but then resuscitate. So they were going. They was going to so die. You thought that she and was, she would it would fall. It would fall, and, he and was, then they would resuscitate her. <coughs> yes, that's fair. And honestly, it happen, if so. it, if it had worked like that, that would have been cool. I will say, I feel like. Those things being magic are based more on the soul leaving the body type system. <laughs> That's fair, I guess. I, I think it's less okay. Okay, his his his, his heart stopped for a second. His heart and his heart stopped, and brain activity has shortly stopped. Let's let's get rid of this band. No soul has to be like in <laughs> heaven or whatever the hell they have in that universe. Yeah, elf fair, heaven. fair, but Thank whatever. You. Bite me. <laughs> so, do you have anything else to add on Dragon Prince? Um. That's good, no. Yeah, I mean, you would, uh, these are shows that I've been bullying you to watch for a while now. I'm, we're both very passionate about them. I'm he glad. won't shut up about JoJo. Brendan, you know, it's fucking funny. I had to cut out like 20 minutes of, of uh, the last crew I, crew I had on here shitting on JoJo. I was trying to tell him, like, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a 36-year-old franchise. It gets better, I promise. And they're he like, promises. no, no. It, not, I'm not going to shit on it because I haven't seen it, so I can't shit on it. But not, it doesn't. It doesn't sell for everyone, and some people don't want to put it I might get there in, eventually. And I understand. Eventually. But the point is, I recommend really good shows, so fuck off. Fuck <laughs> off. Fair enough. And yeah. I'm sure next time we'll talk about something you like to watch. We just did. Two or two shows. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, all right. I, think we got, I think that's all we got for today and all for right. this episode. Uh, that's it for this, then. Yeah.